Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matasek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. For 150 years, Baltimore has been home to the first publicly venerated icon in North America of our Mother of Perpetual Help. Later in this show, we'll talk about the significance of that icon and how you can visit it in Highland Town. But first, we're going to discuss a new parish identification program based at Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town, where a large number of Spanish-speaking immigrants worship. The program, which has the backing of city leaders and the Archdiocese of Baltimore, provides non-government-issued IDs as a way of encouraging undocumented immigrants and others to feel comfortable interacting with the Baltimore City Police. Here to talk about the Parish ID program and the Our Mother of Perpetual Help icon is Redemptorist Father Bruce Lewandowski, pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town. Father Bruce, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. It's very good to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Could you tell us a little bit about how the Parish ID program began? What was the impetus behind it? Since I've been in Baltimore the last three years, I found that many of our parishioners have been victims of crime, sometimes terrible um, crime, you know, beating, been beaten up, have experienced um, being robbed at gunpoint. Often, these very same people don't call 911, they don't make reports to the police. Uh, how it ha- typically happens is someone will come to church on Sunday and say, Father, I need a blessing, can you, can you bless me? And if you ask, well, what is the blessing for? They'll say, well, last week I got robbed. Mm. So I always ask, did you call the police? Did you make a report? And they'll say, no, I didn't make a report. And I said, well, why? And he says, well, because I don't have any identification. And if I call the police, I don't have any ID. How are they going to know if I live here? How, are they, how will they know I'm part of the community? How do they know I belong? So really, the parish ID is a response to a policing and safety issue that we find with our parishioners here, that people who are victim of, victims of crime need a way that they can feel secure in interacting with the Baltimore City Police. Now, the idea is only for the city of Baltimore. It's for members of our parish. Our goal um, in it is to help people feel confident in their interactions with the Baltimore City Police Department and to help them feel confident, specifically um, when they're in danger, when they need help, uh, when they need to call 911, basically. And how are the cards issued? What is the process? Do you you work with Catholic Charities? All right. Catholic Charities have been very helpful to us in providing the equipment that we're using to print the ID card. They've been very generous and we're very grateful for their help and their support in this project because the machinery, the equipment, is not cheap, as you can imagine. So they've been very helpful that way. The process of application for the card, uh, a person comes to the parish office and they need to present three forms of identification or three pieces of identification. How that works is um, they need to bring someone with them who can verify their identity. So a close family member, a friend, their employer, someone from the church, somebody who knows them for a long time and can write a sworn affidavit that's notarized that they know the person to be who they say they are. 
The person also needs to present an ID that they already have, which could be a passport, could be an ID that they have from the workplace, something that has their picture and their name on it. And then they also need to provide uh, proof of address, you know, electric bill, a lease agreement, um, a doctor bill, anything that they have that would have their name and address on it. That's the first step, to present those three pieces of information. Then they're put on a list and then they're called for an appointment for the ID. We don't just give out the ID. We actually sit with the person for a good amount of time and go through step-by-step what the card can be used for and what it can't be used for. Now, for some folks, that means a little bit of a civics lesson. So what's the difference between city, state, and federal? Um, as far as government goes, what are the boundaries of the city of Baltimore? What's the difference between Baltimore City Police and, and County Police? So it really is a, a lesson for some folks who, who maybe lived here um, for many years or all their lives, or some people who are new here, especially in our immigrant community. It, it's really a, a lesson to say, okay, the card is valid when you're going to City Hall and you need to show ID. Mm-hmm. It's when you need to call 911 and you're at home and you need to show that this is your house, this is where you live, and that you're known in the community. So the process is pretty simple. People don't pay for the card. It's free and it's valid for two years. On the card is their picture, their name, the name of the church, the address, phone number of the church, and um, a parish-issued ID number. And then in agreement with the mayor's office, we put on the card to make clear that this is not a government-issued ID card. It's recognized by the city of Baltimore and by the police department, but it can't be used as a driver's license. And it can't be used in certain ways that other um, government-issued IDs can be. So, for example, you, you can't use the ID when you go to, um, to court or in different places like that. Up until now, I think we've had close to 500 applicants, and what we're doing is calling folks in small groups, you know, to come in and get a a brief orientation on the card, like I explained, and then they get their picture taken and they get their card. How is the program working so far? So far, so good. It's been, um, I think, a real blessing for a lot of people. One of the interesting things is the first person to call for the ID um, was a lady who's lived in the parish <laughs> her whole life. She's 85 years old. And since she, since she stopped driving, she hasn't had identification. And so she, she called as soon as we announced it. She said, can I have one of those? Because I need ID. Hmm. It, it's really working in, in many ways that we didn't expect, you know, very positively. And right now this is based solely at Sacred Heart of Jesus? Are it there- is. We're a pilot program. So the mayor, uh, Mayor Catherine Pugh and Archbishop Lori agreed that they would do this as a pilot program here in the parish. Some people have asked us, why why didn't we just push for a municipal ID? Well, there's been two years of legislation since legislation was passed for a municipal ID in the city of Baltimore. And I don't think we can wait any longer. It's been two years, and we're asking people to wait even longer. So the mayor was, was very generous. She said, let's do a both and. We'll work on the municipal ID, but at the same time, we'll do this pri- pilot project with the parish and see how it goes. And if it's successful, then we'll expand it to other parishes. Archbishop Lori, um, he hopes that we would be able to expand it to other parishes. Why is there so much fear within the undocumented community to, to report crime? That, that's a, a good question. People typically don't know the difference between immigration police, like I, what, they, what they call ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and Baltimore City Police, sometimes they look the same, and sometimes they act the same, and sometimes they're on site. So you might have city and federal police, 
in the same location when there's been a crime and people don't know how to distinguish. So a lot of folks without identification, especially in the immigrant community, are afraid that somehow they might trip the system Mm -hmm. and they might end up in detention and deportation. Now, the the question um, becomes, how do you you raise your family? You know, how do you live safely in the city of Baltimore? Uh, Mom and dad, three, four, sometimes five children um, without identification and um, living in a very dangerous city. How, how can you live safely? I think the ID is one step toward that. It's not the answer to every problem, every difficulty. It's not the solution for everything, but it's one step toward making Baltimore a safer city for people. What do you think the biggest misconception has been about this program? I, I'm concerned that people think it's all about immigration and giving undocumented people ID. Mm-hmm. The primary motivator here is we're the second most dangerous city to live in in the country after Chicago. Um, recently, we got from the Archbishop's Office of Community Affairs a list of names that we're asked to mention in the prayers of the faithful and read on Sundays. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's a list of those who've been killed the week before. Mm-hmm. Last week, there were 15 names on that list. Mm-hmm. And so when you live in a city where people die every day by gun violence, I, I think the the goal is, as the Archbishop said, uh, everybody deserves to be safe and to make everybody safe. This is a step toward that, you know, the parish ID. So this is not about immigration as much as it is about making Baltimore a safer city for people to live in. Where can people go to get more information about the parish ID? Actually, you can call us here at the parish office or come by and visit. So if anybody's interested in the parish ID getting more information, you know, call the parish phone number, 410-342-4336. Or you could also just stop by the office. We're at 600 South Conklin Street in Highland Town. Our guest today is Redemptor's Father Bruce Lewandowski, pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town. When we return, we'll talk about a very special icon of our Mother of Perpetual Help in Baltimore. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll be back in a moment. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. Father Robert Catafias humbly walked through a tunnel of applause at the conclusion of his ordination mass, December 15th, as the congregation filled the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Baltimore with a passionate rendition of Lift High the Cross. The only priest ordained at the time, the 36-year-old was able to add personal touches to the liturgy, such as having his parents, Kenneth and Rosemary, and his nieces, Caitlin and Julia Bois, bring the gifts to the altar. Archbishop William E. Laurie conferred the Sacrament of Holy Orders on the new priest. Father Gerard Francic, pastor of St. Mark Parish in Falston, where, the, where Father Catafias spent a pastoral year, vested the new priest. Father Francic was Archdiocesan Vocations Director when Catafias entered the seminary. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has announced the annual Nine Days for Life Prayer and Action Campaign will run from January 14th to January 22nd. Sponsored by the U.S. Bishop's Committee on Pro-Life Activities, the nine days observance leads up to the annual day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children, which is January 22nd, the anniversary of the Supreme Court's 1973 decisions in Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton that legalized abortion throughout all nine months of pregnancy. The overarching intention of the novena is that all human life will be respected, according to the USCCB. Each day of the Nine Days for Life Novena highlights a different intention and is accompanied by a short reflection, 
suggested actions, and related information. Since 2013, more than 100,000 Catholics have joined together to pray this annual novena, according to the USCCB. Resources about the novena are available on the web at 9daysforlife.com. That's the numeral 9, daysforlife.com. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. 150 years ago, an icon of the Blessed Virgin Mary arrived in Baltimore from Europe to become the first publicly venerated icon in North America of our Mother of Perpetual Help. A copy of the original image housed at St. Alphonsus Liguri Church in Rome, the icon has been located at Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town since 1986. It was originally enthroned at St. James the Less Church in Baltimore, which merged with St. John the Evangelist in Baltimore in the 1960s. During the 1970s, the icon was also displayed at St. Wenceslaus in East Baltimore. Here to tell us what makes this particular image so special and how the Redemptorist priest and brothers were entrusted with the icon by the Pope is Redemptorist Father Bruce Lewandowski, pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town. Father Bruce, what exactly is the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and, and how was it entrusted to the Redemptorist? In 1866, um, Pope Pius IX entrusted the Redemptorist with the promotion of devotion and spreading really the icon itself in all of our missions, taking her wherever we go. When we're preaching missions, retreats, and our parishes and other ministries, that at that time in 1866, the Redemptorist had taken charge of 
St. Alphonse's Church, which was formerly St. Matthew's Church, which belonged to the Augustinians, it was there that the icon was housed in that church. And when the Redemptorist um, became the, the residence of what is now St. Alphonse's Church on Via Marulana in Rome, it's um, a beautiful church, a beautiful shrine to our Mother Perpetual. When we became the residents there, when we took up residence there, the Pope said, okay, now what I'd like you to do is take the picture of Perpetual and make her known. Mm-hmm. And make her known all over the world. Wherever you go, take her with you. And so we've done that for more than 150 years. Uh, in 1868, the first image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help arrived here in this country, right here in Maryland, in the city of Baltimore. It's a wonderful story um, how quickly after the Redemptorists were given the icon that they brought her across the ocean and wanted to make sure that the people here in the United States would know about her. The icon is very different in the sense it's not a, the usual art form that we're used to. It's Greek in style and in its origins. And an icon is a picture that's meant to tell a story. The story that I like to tell on missions and retreats when people ask about the icon of her mother, Perpetual Help, is that um, Jesus, like any child, was told by his mother, Mary, to go and take a nap. And while he was sleeping, he had a very bad dream. And the dream is is depicted in the icon as the angels, uh, archangels Gabriel and, and Michael, appearing with the instruments of the Passion. So as a boy, Jesus dreamt of his own crucifixion, his own suffering and death. And when he woke up, he was frightened. And like any child, he would run to his mother. That's what we do when we're afraid as children. We run to our mothers. So he runs to his mother. And if you look at his um, feet, um, you know, he ran so fast that his, his sandals falling off. That's how frightened he was. Just gives the idea of the, the fear that he, that he experienced in that dream. And the wonderful thing about the picture is first that Mary's clutching Jesus very close to her. As he's frightened, and he's still looking at the instruments of the passion that the angels are holding. But she's not looking at him. Mary's looking at us. And it's as if to say, when you're frightened, when you're afraid, when you're in danger, when things aren't going your way, when you have problems and difficulties, whatever they might be, I'm here for you. Come to me, and I'll help you. The other thing is, I always tell people, Mary changed her name. And people say, what? What do you mean change your name? Um, the word that comes to your lips most often when you're in danger, when you have problems, troubles, difficulty, is help. Mm-hmm. And so I would say in this icon, Mary changes her name. She's not Mary. She's help. And as soon as you say help, she comes running uh, because we're her children. She loves us just like she loves her own son, Jesus. And she'll do for us what she did for him. There's a legend that the original icon was a copy of one done by St. Luke. Do we know anything about the original? There are all kinds of stories and legends about that. The one I like the best is that St. Luke visited Mary's house and he painted her on her own kitchen table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> that that that's that makes you think wow that was <laughs> it, it's amazing the original icon it actually is very small it's not a big picture and it hangs above the altar in St. Alphonsus church in in Rome um, which is the general house of the redemptorists and when you look at it you say wow it's so tiny but it's amazing how something so small could have such powerful influence mm-hmm. and, and I think it says a lot about about Mary that um, she always takes the second place. She's always, you know, behind the scenes. You know, in the scripture, she doesn't say very much. You know, I think of her as a secondary figure in the, in the history of salvation. But she has tremendous intercessory power. That as a mother, she really does care for us deeply. And, and she wants us to be happy. And she wants us to be close to her son. And she'd do anything and everything to get us um, where we need to be, which is close to Jesus. 
And the icon that arrived in Baltimore 150 years ago was the first publicly venerated icon in North America? Yes, and it's we're lucky to have it hanging in our church. It's traveled quite a bit. It didn't start here at Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town. It started at St. James and John, and it was brought here in procession um, in the 80s. The um, icon itself, though, looks beautiful. Uh, it's aged somewhat. It's a little bit darkened. But it, when you look at the icon and you think, wow, it's 150 years old, you don't get that sense. Um, maybe because of the the power and mystery behind the, the devotion and just come to understanding that, that you know, Mary never gets old, that she's always there with us to help us. The um, devotion to our Mother Perpetual Help is a very personal devotion to many people. We'd have devotions here on Wednesdays in Spanish and English at the 8 o'clock Mass in English in the morning and the 7.30 Mass in the evening at St. Patrick's in Spanish. And a lot of people come and they'll tell you their personal stories of our Mother Perpetual Help um, in their family home you know, or, or in church or they attended a Redemptorist mission and somebody gave them a holy card with the uh, picture of Our Lady Perpetual Help printed on it. Um, she's made her way into many people's lives and made a difference for a good number of people. And I think she still wants to do that. And you had a special celebration here a while back? We did. We had a wonderful celebration here on November 3rd, celebrating 150 years of devotion to our Mother Perpetual Help in America. And it all began here in Baltimore. And we were very lucky at that uh, celebration to have our Superior General from Rome here, um, Father Michael Braille, who's the, the uh, Superior of the Redemptors throughout the world. He gave a wonderful homily in Spanish and English. And some words from that that I remember it is, he said that the Redemptors have been called to make her known throughout the world. And what we need to celebrate is not the work of the Redemptors, but the work that our Mother Perpetual Help has done, um, the many graces and blessings that we have received through her intercession um, throughout those 150 years. Um, really, she has been very good to us. And during that celebration, I remember there was a parishioner who was 100 years old who was in the offertory procession. Who has Oh, yeah, Rita Hubble. Uh, Miss Rita, she celebrated uh, her 100th birthday in September, and she's just a, a great lady. She's She knows the history of our parish here better than anybody. A very faithful parishioner and really uh, just a wonderful, wonderful uh, example for all of us in her, in her faithfulness. She still comes to Mass mm. at 100 years old. I mean, she could easily say, you know, I'm too old and too tired, I don't want to go, but she's there every Saturday, <laughs> 4 o'clock Mass. If people wanted to see the icon here, how, how could they go about it? When is the church open? Um, we're open every morning for 8 o'clock Mass. That's daily Mass um, here in the main church. On weekends, we have our Saturday vigil at 4 o'clock, confessions beforehand at 3. And then we have Masses on Sunday, 8.30, 10, 12, 30, and 7. The church is basically open all weekend. Mm -hmm. And anytime you stop by the parish office, if you wanted to stop in and see the icon, I'm sure we would let you in and you could make a visit. Well, Father Bruce Lewandowski, pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highlandtown, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. It's been great being with you. Thanks again for the invitation. We leave you today with the singing of the hymn to our mother of perpetual help, recorded at the 150th anniversary celebration of the icon's arrival to Baltimore. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week.
Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.